very encouraging always to feel like I'm coming home and uh, to Cement City. It's a, it is our church home. Our mission requires every missionary to have a home-sending church, and so Cement City is our home-sending church. So, it's it, yeah, it's good to come back home. Uh, speaking of home, um, my parents are, are listening, and so I always wanted to do this. Hi, Mom. <laughs> Love you, and yeah, glad you can join us today. I always wanted to do that. Saw the sports guys do that. I've never had the opportunity. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the, the message today is uh, the city to come. And today we're going to look at kind of a, we're going to do a, a Bible study going through scripture, um, kind of tracing the key thread, uh, the promises of a city to come and how that relates to what, what God is doing in the world today and in our hope for the age to come. So if you would uh, join me in prayer, I'm going to pray to begin and then we'll um, go turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 65. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, we know that you are with us. Uh, Jesus said, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And Lord, we just thank you that you're with us um, today and that you've sent your spirit to to work in us and through us. And Lord, I, I pray as we open up your word and and look into this great hope that we have that Jesus is uh, coming and there is a city to come. Lord, I just pray that uh, your spirit would exercise our hearts, Lord, that you would stir, stir us up to, to really grab a, ho- a hold of this hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I just, um, yeah, I just pray and pray that you would come and, and bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 65. And we'll begin in verse 17. Um, this is a, a prophecy about the new heavens and a new earth. And uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of these prophecies in the Old Testament. But this is one, one. And so I wanted to begin here. So in Isaiah 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I rejoice in Jerusalem and, I, and, be, glad, and be glad in my people. No more... No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. There shall, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. 
For like the days of a tree shall be the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. For they shall, they, for they call, be, oh, this, uh, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, say, says the Lord. Amen. So this is a, yeah, this is um, a prophecy of the age to come, and uh, and what I like about it is we see that God that God is doing a work of creation. He says it three times. He says in verse seventeen, "I create new heavens and a new earth." And then, and then down in 18 it says, Be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create, for behold, I create Jerusalem. So three times there he says he's creating. Uh, he, he says it in verse 17, New heavens and new earth, so that's how we know that this is, this is talking about the age to come. But in verse 19, and also, yeah, 18 and 19, he mentions Jerusalem. And we know from Revelations 21 and 22 that the, um, there will be a new Jerusalem that descends. And it's, it's what when the, the apostles talk about the city to come, that's what they're referring to, the new Jerusalem. And so, I think this is something that gives us all comfort. It's our great hope. And even Peter in, in um, 2 Peter 3.13, he said, but according to this promise, we, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which right, righteousness dwells. So there's, a, there's an anticipation that we feel about it. Um, as we live life, we, we, uh, it's, it's a hope that, that um, we anticipate. You know, and like Peter said, we wait for it. In verse 19, it's not just a place. In verse 19, he said, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. So it's not just a, a place that it's, it's talking about a people. New Jerusalem is, is the people of God, a chosen people. And, um, and so... It's interesting here, he gives a command as we have this vision of the new Jerusalem and the, the world to come. He says, but in verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I, God speaking, and he says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad. And so, just as Peter was anticipating and waiting for the new heavens and the new earth, here in the language of Isaiah 65, 
God is himself is anticipating it. He's, he's also waiting for it. He's working towards uh, this vision. And, and you can just hear the anticipation. I will rejoice. I will be glad. And then as he goes on, it, it talks about um, just a world that, that is so opposed to the world, or so opposite to the world we live in right now, a world that's corrupt, been corrupted, a world where the, there's a sound of weeping and there's the cry of distress. And um, yeah, there's just a long list of things here. Um, it's just the gladness of the age of, to come is, is contrasted with the sorrow of this present world. Where, where all our tears and heartache will be raced in the age to come. And so, yeah, I, uh, today we wanted to look at this quickly, this prophecy, and now I'd like to um, just answer some key questions about who, it, who, it, who is it that will create the new Jerusalem? Um, here it says the Lord in general, but... There, it's a specific task given to one person of the Trinity. It's the key messianic prophecy or promise that we see this um, in the thread of prophecies through the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. We see this thread of, of, uh, of a coming city. And then uh, I'd like to look at what is our part in that. Um, God is creating the new Jerusalem, what is our part as the church of Christ, and then finally, what, is, what should be our response? Um, seeing this vision, what is the response that God is calling us to? And so we'll look at, uh, at a few verses with that as well. <clears throat> so first, let's, let's look at who will recreate or build the new Jerusalem. And so let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Samuel. Chapter 7, it's a, it's a key prophecy or promise that God gave to, to David. There is a number, prior to this, there is a number of promises given of a coming redeemer or a deliverer. <clears throat> in, in the fall, when Adam and Eve fell, there was a, uh, there was a promise giving of uh, the seed of woman would would um, be victorious over Satan and the serpent, and then in, in there was also a promise given to Abraham of uh, his seed, a, somebody offspring through his lineage would be a blessing to all nations. But this is the first prophecy that we see of a coming kingdom. And it's it's taught it's um it's being directed into the age to come. And so let me turn in my Bible. So in verse we'll just read um starting in verse I think it's eleven. So David David uh wanted you know, he had this beautiful palace that he built and he felt convicted that I'm living in this beautiful palace, but the Lord is dwelling in a tent. And so he wanted to build uh, a dwelling place, a beautiful dwelling place for God. 
to dwell in, but God wouldn't let him. And so he gave Dave, David a promise that his son would be the one to build it. But in that promise, um, there was also a promise of, some, of another one of his offsprings that would um, uh, come as well. And so let's look at... <clears throat> Let's start in verse 11. For the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. This is God speaking to David through a prophet. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And then it, it kind of goes back to Samuel. Up till now, it's speaking about the offspring in the future, but then it says, when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So it's interesting, you know, he talks about the son committing iniquity, and I think he's going back and forth between Solomon and Jesus Christ because Solomon was going to build the house of God, you know, the temple in that time, but he's talking about also another offspring as the New Testament quotes this passage. It talks about this offspring as Jesus Christ, and it says some key things. <clears throat> First, um, it says, I will be a father to him, and he will be to me a son. So when you see, see um, the Jews, when Jesus came, and they're like even Peter, when he said, you are the son, we believe that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, or the son of God. Uh, it's referring to this prophecy that the offspring of David would be the son of God. Also, <clears throat> It talks about, in verse 13, He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So it talks about building a house. And that is what, that connects to this prophecy in Isaiah of creating a city, uh, Jerusalem. Here in verse 13, it talks about this coming offspring of David will build a house for my name, and, and he, it also says that he will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. <clears throat> so there's different things, but I want to focus more on Jesus, the coming Messiah, was to build a house for the name of God. You see that run through the Old Testament, that prophecy that we saw in, in Isaiah 65, but then when Christ came, when he was born, before he was born, an angel appeared to Joseph 
and in verse in um, Luke 1, 32 and 33. So let's turn to there. A key, another key thread in this story of how God would build a house for his name. So Luke chapter 1. And verses 32 and 33. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I believe she, he's talking to Mary. Yeah. And so in the, the angel is speaking, and yeah, let's just start with verse 30. And the late angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. <clears throat> and this is where it connects to the promise of a coming Messiah. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord shall, will give him a throne, the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his, of his kingdom there will be no end. So right in here, it's just it's really interesting how the key promises given to David, the, the angel, when he was telling Mary... Uh, that the Spirit would come upon her and she would bear a son, he, he connects, this, this announcement connects right to the prophecy. And in that announcement, uh, he says, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will be no, no end. There will be no end. And so there it is. There it is. He, he will reign over the house of Jacob and, and just before, it talks about, I will give him the throne of his father, David. So he's, he's referring to the offspring of David and also to one of the key works that he's going to do is he's going to reign. It doesn't say build, but you know we know the, the promise is he will build a house for his name or the house of Jacob forever. And so let's look at one more key point um so jesus in 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 acts chapter 15 jesus had ascended and the spirit came and the gospel went out into israel and it started to go into the gentile nations and so there's a jesus's brother james said a key thing in this council that they had in jerusalem as the gospel was going out to the gentiles they were confused on on what to do, like they had the old covenant, but they knew they were now in the new covenant, and so they're confused on what to to pass on to the Gentile nations regarding the old covenant, and um, it was very confusing. And the key the key thing they were discussing was circumcision, but also there was the dietary laws and the in the feasts, and so they're trying to figure all this out. And in that discussion, James said something that connects again to this prophecy of a Messiah who would build a house for the name of the Lord. 
So in verse um, Acts 15, verse 13. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agreed, just as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind will seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known of old. Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble these Gentiles who turn to God. And I'll just stop there. And so, what's interesting is now we see um, the gospel going out to the Gentiles, and he's, he's taking from them, in verse 14, a people for his name. Just like he, the Messiah would build a house for his name, here it says um, he's taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. And then in verse 16, he actually quotes uh, a prophecy in the Old Testament about the tent of David or the house of David. And it says, and after this, I will return and rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. And I will rebuild its ruins. And so we get from this, this scripture, This, this mission, this mission that Christ gave his disciples to go to Jerusalem, then Samaria, and Judea, and the uttermost par- parts of the earth, this mission that the, he gave to the church is, is, um, is connected with this prophecy that Christ would build a house for his name. And here it, it talks about the house of David or the temp- tent of David. <clears throat> also in, in Hebrews 3, um, let's go over <laughs> to there, to Hebrews chapter 3. Um, there's just a lot of verses. I, as I was studying this out, I had this huge sheet of verses, and it was hard to pare it down into a, just a few to try to develop. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 3, verses, verses 3 through 6. It talks about Christ being a builder. For Christ had not counted, had, for, for, um, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. For now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ <clears throat> is faithful over God's house as a son, and, he, and we are his house if we hold fast our confidence and boasting in our hope. And so you see in verse 3, um, Moses is being compared to Christ, and it said Jesus is counted of more glory than Moses, 
as much more glory as the builder of a house. So here it, you know, it talks about Jesus building a house. And just like in um, I, the prophecy in Isaiah that spoke about Jerusalem being God's people, here it says um, in verse 6, God, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. So it's not just, it's not a physical, although the vision is a physical Jerusalem coming, but the true Jerusalem coming is the chosen people that will forever be with Christ. <clears throat> so, so we've established who, who it is that would create the new Jerusalem. It's, it's Jesus Christ. It's the coming Messiah. And, and that building the house is happening in this age. In this age, Christ is building his house. And now I'd, I would just like to look at a couple verses that talk about what's our part in that work. What's our part in, in the work of Christ building a house for the name of God? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Another interesting verse that connects to this prophecy or promise. Ephesians chapter 2. And verses 11, 12, and 16. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the uh, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world now. But now Jesus Christ, who once, you, uh, but now in, G, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And then down in verse uh, 16. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Uh, you know what? I'm in the wrong. Let's, uh, I was reading a the wrong verse. Let's go to verse 19. That's where I wanted to be. Okay. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so here again we see it's, it refers several times to in verse 19, it talks about the household of God. And then also in verse 22, it talks about we are being built together into a dwelling place by God. And what's interesting here is 
This, in verse 19, in the same breath it says, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So it's talking about we are members of the household of God and also we're citizens with the saints. And so the Jerusalem, you know, the prophecy that God will create Jerusalem and, and um, the citizens of Jerusalem connects, it's in the same breath of the prophecy of we will be members of the household of God. And so the household of God and, and the new Jerusalem, it's pretty much the same coin, but there's two sides to it. You know, it's talking about this familial relationship that we have to God our Father in His house. And it also talks about the coming king or kingdom, which is the new Jerusalem, and we will be citizens of it. It's, it's pretty much right here, it's almost the same thing. It's like given in the same breath. And, uh, and it says we are being built together. In, in Ephesians 4, just in the next page over, is another key thing before. Just wanted to look at this as well to understand what is our part in this building, constr big construction project that, um, of Christ in this present age to build the house of God. So Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then down in verse 16, for from, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. <clears throat> and so here, it talks about the Spirit. When Christ ascended, uh, He sent the Spirit, and the Spirit gave gifts to the church. And those gifts are, are mentioned here. There's a lot of other gifts as well. And in verse 12, it gives the purpose to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. And so we have a part. And in verse 16, it talks about that, that, that each member of the body has a part. For whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part or each member of the house of God or each member of the body of Christ work, is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So here, it, every member or each part of the body of Christ has a part in, in building up the house of God. <clears throat> and we know that, um, especially from the Acts re, uh, passage that we read, this is a house of all nations. God is taking from the Gentiles a people for his name. This house of God isn't just the people of Israel. It's a house that is gathering people from every nation. And we are a part of that work. Each part has a different task. You know, we all have, have been given different gifts. 
and different roles, but we are all part of the church who, is, who Christ is working through the church to build the house of God and, and establish his kingdom on earth. And so as we are called to share in this great work of Christ, and as we envision the new Jerusalem that's coming, it does something to us. It, I, it fuels something in us as we see ourselves and envision ourselves finally coming home into the, the new Jerusalem. <clears throat> and how do we describe it? I think in it's descri- this feeling, this um, what it does to us, what it fuels in us, what it inspires in us. Uh, Isaiah and God, those, these are God's words. He, he talked about gladness and hope. For me, it brings great joy and needed strength to overcome the obstacles that we have uh, in this life. We cannot help but rejoice and be glad in the new Jerusalem, the city to come. And so I want to finish by looking at uh, a few verses that talk about that hope and, and talk about that response in us as we join with Christ, as we uh, unite ourselves to what Christ is doing in, in this world and in our communities, in our families, in our church of calling a people in uh, constructing the house of God. And so let's, let's look at a couple verses. First, uh, Galatians chapter 4. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Right at the end of where Paul was giving a description between um, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, he was, he was um, talking about the difference between Hagar... And Sarah, both Hagar was the um, was the was um, the slave of Sarah, who also through her was born uh, Ishmael. But then you had Sarah, who was the mother of Isaac and the mother of the child of promise. And so that's the old covenant versus the new covenant. But right at the end of that, kind of talking about the slave woman and the free woman the Old Covenant and the New, he says this in verse um, 26. But let's, let's start in 25. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice! O barren one who does not bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. For you now, brothers, like Isaac, are the children of promise. So it's um, in verse 26, it, it, um, and 25, it talks. It goes into a different comparison of Hagar being the present Jerusalem, uh, for she is in slavery with her children. This this present Jerusalem um, is is corrupt, and it's a world that has been corrupted. Um, even though 
is the, the present Jerusalem was, was the people of God, but they had been corrupted. And then uh, in verse 26, it talks about Sarah referring to her as the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. And then, and then it points to a prophecy in Isaiah. Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear in it. Um, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. And so here, here we are to rejoice in this liberation that we are going to experience in this city to come. In the new Jerusalem, there will be, we will be finally set free. And it's the, it's the great hope that we have. What will be, we be set free from in the new Jerusalem in, in prophecy after prophecy, it talks, talks about being set free from pain, being set free from tears and heartache, from death, being set free from brokenness, from despair, from corruption, from mortality, from our present weakness and barrenness. <clears throat> it talks about, in this passage, um, a little bit further down, persecution. And bar- uh, Sarah being, a, being barren, she had to wait for the promise that was to come. And we, in this present world, we too are, are suffering from this barrenness, this desolation, which later on he, he relates to the tribulation and persecution that we suffer in this life. The city that awaits us is free, and it's the... Here it talks about it being the mother of many. For the desolate one, will, the children of the desolate one will be more. He's talking about the nations. There's going to be a great harvest. And Jerusalem mar- mother, uh, kind of like, it refers to Jerusalem as their mother, kind of like the Russians call their, their country Mother Russia. It, it's the same thing when, a lot of times in the scripture when it, refers to a city, it talks about it being the mother. But here, in, the, in this prophecy, um, it gives two verses from Isaiah 54. Uh, it quotes them, but the next verse after, it, it's Isaiah 54, 1 and 2 is what's quoted here. But in Isaiah 54, 3, it takes it a step further. It says, for you will spread abo- abroad to the right and the left, and you're offspring will possess the nations, talking about the mother Jerusalem or the, the barren desolate one in this, in this age. And so here <clears throat> our response to this coming Jerusalem is that we wait for it while we suffer in the here and now as we join ourselves to Christ gathering to his kingdom, the nations. We we as followers of Jesus Christ, have to make sacrifices. Just like Christ made a sacrifice, we, we talked about through his sacrifice, we have the victory in the song we just sang. We too, as we join Christ, we're joining together with him in sufferings, in this barrenness that Sarah, Sarah suffered, waiting for the promise 15 years. We too are just waiting. In, in, in the, and in Romans uh, Paul said, all creation is groaning with us, with the people of God. Creation itself as well is, is groaning. 
but <clears throat> we don't just groan. Uh, we also rejoice. It says, rejoice, O barren one. And so it's not just the sorrows. Like it, it, the, another song we say, uh, sang said, sorrow and love flow mingled down from Jesus on the cross, talking about how he shed his blood. He shed his blood in sorrow, but also in love. And here in this, as we wait for the Jerusalem that is above our mother, we, we can rejoice at the same time we, we experience suffering. Also, a couple more verses in, in Hebrews, and then we're going to finish. And Janet's going to come up and share, uh, give an update of our ministry. In Hebrews chapter 12, talks about this coming city as well in our response. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. Let's start in 22. And, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. He's talking about the kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then he, he comes down uh, and talks about Zion the, and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And then it says right here, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. <clears throat> it talks about our, our final homecoming into the city of the living God, into the, this heavenly Jerusalem. It's going to be a festival, a festal gathering. And the, the Jews, as God gave the Jews the, the, the old covenant, there is just this the many different feasts and festal gatherings that they would do as a people and gather together. And heaven's going to be much like that. It, it describes the innumerable angels in festal gathering. We're going to join that party in heaven. <laughs> the, um, when we, it talks about in Revelations us coming into a wedding feast. And, and in this life, we are, we are waiting for the coming king. And um, this verse refers to this, this city as a festal gathering. Um, in, I don't know if you've ever heard this said. I've, I've heard it plenty of times as I witness to different people. Um, many people really struggle uh, committing to Christ, and they say things like this. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I'd rather be in hell partying with my friends than in heaven with a bunch of hip hypocrites. Uh, that's something that I've heard here in America, but it, believe it or not, it's something that we hear in, amongst the Ashinika people. This mindset that that is too big of a thing to pull away from this earthly party that this world has. Um, many people just can't uh, get beyond that. It's like they're blind to it. 
um, this, that in heaven there's going to be a party far greater than the party that we have on this earth. And, and they think that that party is going to continue in hell, but it's not. <clears throat> One last verse before we finish. Um, in right next to, right over from chapter 12, chapter 13, verse 12. And I love this passage. Verse 12 in, uh, let me see. Let's start in uh, verse 11. <clears throat> For the body of those animals whose blood is brought into holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice of sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffering outside the gate in order to sac sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. There, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Here it's talking about um, a sacrifice of praise. Uh, in Galatians it talked about Sarah rejoicing for her liberation. Here, here in verse or Hebrews 12 it talked about this festal gathering at our homecoming and here it talks about as we live, live our lives here on earth, um, our lives are to be a sacrifice of praise to God, verse 15. And uh, we can do this. We can, we, can, uh, we can take up our crosses. We can go outside the camp and, and endure the re reproach. And we can, we can go through life serving Christ and and overcoming the hits of sacrifice with praise and gratitudes in our hearts. Being yoked to Christ in the fellowship of his suffering is also being yoked to him in the riches of his grace. It's, yeah, there is sacrifice, but we can do it with praise in our hearts. And as, as Isaiah, the, as uh, God said in, to Isaiah, through Isaiah, um, he said, uh, Rejoice, be glad forever in that which I create. It's a beautiful thing to see this played out in, in all of our lives where we uh, live a sacrifice of praise, where the sacrifices we make are far less than our hope and praise to God in what is to come. <clears throat> As we unite ourselves to this mission, of building the house of God in this age. Um, it, uh, we also unite ourselves um, to this riches of grace that, that we enjoy alongside the suffering in this life. Um, I just want to finish. I saw this video of, of a group of Chinese Christians um, receiving this box full of Bibles uh, the other day. And it was just really neat because somebody came in and set this box down, and there was probably 20 people in the room, and they all just ran 
And they opened it up real quick, and each one started grabbing one Bible. And then they and somebody was filming it, and there were, and it was a real emotional time for these these Christians that I'm sure were suffering greatly in China. But they were just crying. They were crying, and they just kept over and over kissing their Bible, and crying and kissing. And a few of them stood up and were were saying something that I couldn't understand, but their emotion was was really coming through. And it's just such a beautiful thing. You know, the sacrifices they make are worth it. You know, they're making the sacrifice. And they finally had the Word of God in their language, and it was such a sweet thing to them. And I, yeah, I, I just wanted to take a look just an overarching theme that explains what missions is. What are we doing in missions? Why, why do Jana and I go to Peru and have lived our lives in the Amazon jungle of Peru? It's this, we, we are connected to this hope of a coming city that we in this age as the church of Christ, as the body of Christ, are uniting ourselves to Christ as he builds the house of God that will someday soon, I believe, will finally descend on this earth, and we will get to enjoy a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's such a joy to be here again with you. Um, you are our family. And even though we don't get here, but maybe every couple years, <laughs> we're, we're super thankful. And we think of you, and we pray for you. And um, you can go to the first slide there. Um, our family has changed. Um, we are growing, and we have a new son in love. Uh, Ashley has married Yossi. And then Andrew in the blue there, who some of you probably still remember, he lived here for about a year or two. He is marrying Tori um, there, will be our new daughter in love She uh, in December. They will get married. And so we are so grateful the Lord is answering our prayers and building our family. There's Toby on the end there who is in Peru in the mountains working with the Aymada. When he was 8 to 12 years old, we were working there. God has brought him back there. And Ryan there, we love you, Ryan. Um, part of our family, those two not married yet, but we keep praying. <laughs> God is at work in our family, and we are so grateful. Thank you. I mean, Ryan was a baby. He was born at Foot Hospital. He's from here in Michigan. And um, so our early days, we started here. Go ahead to the next one. Um, the Ashenica people uh, is a group of about 80,000. It's our biggest uh, indigenous group in Peru. And we work with a group um, of 15,000 are, are in our area. Um, they are in 100 different small villages or family groups. Um, when we moved there about five years ago, there was no church. No one was meeting. 
Um, there has been seeds. There's been Wycliffe and Swiss Mission, and people have come before us, and so there were seeds. There were people between 30, 40 believers, but weren't meeting. They had fallen away. Um, and we praise God that um, there are now five Ashenica churches uh, meeting today in the Grand Pajonal, the great grasslands. And um, this, is, this is one of them um, that we are so grateful to be a part of. Uh, we live in a community called Alto Cencoreni. And uh, we work with several believers, um, Marcos and his brother Lucas, and some new believers that I'll share a little bit about um, as we go on, Milton and, and Fermin and others. Go ahead to the next slide. This is our team. The Lord has blessed us with a team. Our heart has always been to work as a team, not be by ourselves. And the Lord provided uh, Jeanette in the middle from Puerto Rico, New York. She uh, was raised in New York. Jared and Emma and their two sons, um, they came about two and a half years ago. She's pregnant again, so there'll be three. And then uh, Joel and Esther are from Peru, and they're sent out from their church. Um, they, they live in a community or a little town about 30 minutes from where our three families, we live in Alto Cencoreni. We built houses up there. Go ahead. So this is the church building. Um, it took quite a few months to build uh, because we wanted the people to build it. It would mean so much more if they, if they built it, the community built it. Each church family donated. You see the roofing. It's a tin roofing. Each family donated one of those. And then twice a week, a couple hours in the morning, Tom and Jared would be there. And then maybe three, four, five guys would come. And, and they slowly built um, the church building here. Go ahead to the next. So this is the inside. Um, pretty, pretty basic, but um, it's not the, what the church looks like. It's the body there. It's, it's the people. And we're so grateful. Um, this morning, they're meeting and they're, they're worshiping in Ashenica. We try to do as much as we can in the Ashenica language. And so um, I'll have a picture later showing of a Ashenica Bible. But thank you for praying for this is one of the bodies. There's um, four others in different areas in the Grand Pajonal. Next slide. This is me with my language helper, Leonor. These next slides are going to give you an idea of what we do when we're in the community. Language has been huge, and it is so hard. I, I didn't even greet you guys. Kitehidi encho ari. So that is good morning, brother and sister. Um, this language, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy difficult. Um, but we, as we learn language pretty much every day, we try to meet with our language helpers for two or three hours. And we're just studying with them. And we're trying to speak to them. And they, you know, a lot of times we're pointing to pictures and um, so we're trying, and so you can continue to pray for us. Leonor, um, she, God healed her five years ago. She had cancer. We just moved into the community, and um, we were able to help her get out to a hospital. And once she got out to the capital city and she had some more x-rays, MRIs, doctor said, there's nothing I can do for you. 
what? She, she's like, but you have to help me. He's like, nope, there's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing there. And so we praise God um, for the healing upon her. Her and her husband, I'll talk a little bit more about them, but uh, we believe our key in what God wants to do in the village there, in the whole Ashenica there in the valley. Continue. Next slide. Uh, we have, last year we worked on putting together 12 Bible stories in Ashenica and Spanish. We need the Spanish. They don't need that. They just need the Ashenica. But we have these little audio Bibles, and so we play that in Ashenica, the story. And we chose six stories from creation to Christ that would help them hear the gospel message. And um, we're discipling. That's the way what we're discipling. This is Lucas and his wife, Maria. They're key believers, their family. We meet once a week with the whole family, and we, we play the story, and then they share the story back to us in Ashenika, and then we ask them questions and, um, and pray for them. Next slide. Um, another thing, we have been meeting as women for two years. The men has, have also been meeting um, with the leaders uh, for, for about first year. Just the leaders met, met together in this last year. Um, um, it's open to all the men coming. Um, this is the women. We're meeting in my co-worker's house, and we've been, um, we've been discipling these women. And there's two now, Maria and Luisa, that we really believe are ready to, to begin leading to. It's so important in their language that they can lead and, and share Jesus. Next, next slide. Um, this is that little audio Bible. Um, this has been amazing that we've been able to, we, we charge them something. They pay just a partial uh, part of the price. Um, so it means something. It has value to it. And it has a Shenika songs, hymns on it. It has 78 Bible stories and then the New Testament this is Amer America and Lucas. You can pray for them. This is a key family and that has just been going through the fire this last year. And especially with their children, we see when there's something hard in their children's lives, um, they struggle and sometimes even fall away. And so especially America, that's a good name, right? We can, you can remember that. If you can pray for America and Lucas. Next slide. So this is our translating team. Um, Marcos and Lucas are also in there. They're the two guys that, that we work with um, that help preach. Lucas in the green there, he takes turns preaching with the guys every other Sunday. Um, so they are doing a revision of the New Testament. Um, it was done many years ago. And um, the words are very long, 30-plus letters in, in one, uh, one word, and then to describe it, big, big paragraphs. And so now they're trying to revise it because the people haven't been using it. They're oral, but there are some that know how to read and write, and so they want their Bible in written form, too. So you can be praying for the translation team. It's slow, it's hard. This is one of our rooms. We built a little house um, that has, it's a guest room, it's an office, it's a translation room. So we pray over them that, um, that God will help them just to continue on. It's, it's not an easy work for them. Next slide. 
So this is Milton and Leonor. They're, um, they've been our language helpers the last couple years. He's been the chief. Like many times, I'm sure in our prayer letters, you've heard us talk about the chief. So he's the one who's over the community, and there's other guys that are on kind of his committee. But um, as a chief, it's really tough. Um, when there's problems, when there's parties, and somebody, there's fighting going on, or somebody does something to somebody, he has to come up with the discipline. He has to figure out who's in the wrong. And so he's had a really tough um, four years. Um, she and him, up and down, not coming to the church, but they would continue to say, well, come once it's built, once the new church is built. And um, <laughs> we have had opportunity every day when we meet with them. We pray for them. We pray with them. We ask them to pray. We ask how they are. Um, remember, she's the one that God healed uh, five years ago. In February, they both were sick again, and he was concerned that she had cancer again. And so we just were praying with them. We helped them get out to the city to do a bunch of tests, blood work, just everything to figure out what they had. He himself, I think he thought that something was really wrong with himself. Well, the Lord used all of that, all the sicknesses and the concern, and as we prayed for them, and just they both sincerely gave their lives back to Jesus. And um, we can see, especially with Milton, just he, he has such a passion and just a love for Jesus. And um, when our team was gone for three weeks uh, from the community in August, he had the little Ashenica Bible, and he has no training in preaching. He's chief, so he's very good in front of people. Um, but he's like, I can do that. And he's been helping lead the worship time, um, song time. And so he did that. And when our coworkers went back, they said, wow. He said the church was full. And he was so excited because um, God was moving. And he was so excited that he was able to just share in the Shenika and, um, and with, the, with the church body. So this is a key family. Um, we just, yeah, we keep praying over them. This is Jared. Emma's not in the picture, but Jeanette and Tom and myself there. We praise God, how God is working. He's working and moving in the Ashenica people. Next slide. See what we have here. Oh, we're already at the end. So this has just happened uh, one or two weeks ago. Um, but this is our first all Ashenica um, church conference, and so the five churches were invited, and um, there ended up being, I think, 50 adults and 50 children. <laughs> a lot, a lot of kids there. Um, and so we're so excited that, we, well, Tom and I couldn't be there, but the five churches came together to study God's word and to really wrestle with some really hard issues in the communities, drunkenness, adultery, just some really hard issues that these um, churches deal with daily. And so um, this is the Ashenica people. This is just a little peek into what, what our life looks like there. 
um, daily, just walking with the people, um, living there. Uh, we have a coffee garden. Um, I love gardening, and, um, and so we, ha well, we have coffee, vegetables. I have about 100 pineapple plants. Um, so we, we love to do a little bit what the people do, and so they're coffee farmers. And so you will see out there, there's some silver bags. We have some coffee for you. If you don't get one, please let Diana know, and um, I'll send some more from California. We're heading to San Diego tomorrow. But it's just a little bit, we grew that coffee, praise God, and, um, and our, our, some of our neighbors came and helped pick, pick it and process it. And so it's just a little bit of love to you. Um, we appreciate each one of you so much. Um, some of you may be new to us and us to you, and we're just meeting you for the first time. And some of you, we've known you for 30 years. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful for this body. I was going to try not to cry. <laughs> but um, we do pray for you. And the Ashenika uh, people, um, they pray for you too. We, we tell them that you have a body of Christ in Cement City, Michigan. And they're praying for you. And they're rooting you on. And so they always want us to tell you too that they're praying for you. Thank you.